This morning, we're going to take a break from our Mark series, and we're actually going to focus our attention on Psalm 130 for a few minutes together uh, this morning. It's been an interesting week that's gotten us to this point, and we have some interesting weeks ahead. I mean, this morning, we're gathered in our own homes and gathered in our living rooms or at our dining room tables or sitting in our study, uh, sitting on our back patio. I don't know, wherever you're sitting. Uh, it's just been an interesting week, and we, we know that the next few weeks, we don't know what they hold. Uh, and so I want us to just take some time this morning and look devotionally at this psalm, Psalm 130, a psalm that's really about waiting. Uh, and as I thought about that this week, I was thinking about you know our life right now. It's full of questions. Uh, maybe you've got a lot of worries that are running through your head. There's definitely some confusion, maybe some frustration, some uncertainty. Uh, but for many of us, I, I think you know, Tom Petty's song from 1981, uh, that classic song, The Waiting, you know, in the chorus, I think the chorus kind of resonates with us. It resonates with a lot of people, but in this particular season for us, it's going to resonate. When Tom Petty sings, the waiting is the hardest part. Uh, I think for us, that, that may very well be true right now. Uh, I was reading this article. Um, this was some time ago, and I pulled it back out this week. Uh, it was an article in the Boston Globe from 2016, uh, and it was sort of highlighting some research that had been done. Uh, this study that was looking at sort of how much time we're willing to give and, and to wait uh, and when does our patience run out. It's kind of like a patience study. And what this one researcher was looking at how long people are willing to wait for a video to load uh, on their computer, on their phone, like YouTube, Vimeo, those types of uh, those types of websites. And so what the study actually found was out of these 6.7 million users that were studied, 6.7 million that were studied, uh, all of them were willing to wait two seconds for a video to load. But after five seconds, 25% of that 6.7 million, so what is that, like 1 point something million, 1.7 million, 1.6 million, they wouldn't even wait five seconds for the video to load, they just move on. And by 10 seconds, half of the users had logged off. They weren't going to wait for 10 seconds. So I say all that to say, as we are looking at the weeks ahead, and we are going to be waiting, we're going to be wondering. Uh, life is just, we're not sure what it's going to look like. Uh, and we don't like to wait 10 seconds for a video to load on our phones. So I can only imagine if you're like me, this is not necessarily going to be an easy handful of weeks or months. Uh, but Fortunately for us, this morning, we get to turn our attention to Psalm 130, and we'll find the psalmist actually helping us wrestle with what it's like uh, to be in a season of waiting. So if you'll go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word, let's turn to Psalm 130 together, and, and I'll just read it for us now. Psalm 130, the psalmist writes, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Let me pray for us. Uh, Jesus, thanks so much for meeting us in your word. We know that you are the incarnate word. We know that all of scripture speaks to you and how much you love us and what you've done for us and how we can live in light of what you've done for us. We pray that 
uh, on this unique morning that we're scattered around our neighborhoods, that you'll help us to together worship you and engage you here in Psalm 130. Spirit, we pray that you'll make us good students of this word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as we chew on this psalm together this morning, there's just three thoughts, sort of takeaways, uh, I want us to, to, to have or to find. Uh, and I think what I want us to see here is, is how the psalmist leads us by example. The psalmist leads us in these three ways uh, when it comes to waiting. The psalmist shows us that we need to be those who wait thankfully. We need to be those who wait with hope or hopefully. And we need to be those who are waiting actively. And so those are the three things we're going to look at this morning. Waiting thankfully, waiting hopefully, and waiting actively. So first, that idea of waiting um, thankful or thankfully. In verses 3 and 4 here of Psalm 130, we actually find the gospel kind of unpacked for us, where we're shown that we are actually already those who have been loved by God. It says in verse 3, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But then he says in verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And so this is that forgiveness that we've received. This forgiveness that we've received, that, that idea of gospel, that we have these iniquities, and if God actually counted our iniquities against us, who could stand? Not any of us could stand. But with him, there's forgiveness. And we know that that forgiveness was not cheap forgiveness, but costly forgiveness. It was the forgiveness of Jesus giving himself for us. And so the psalmist is bringing to mind, in the midst of waiting, he's remembering what God has done for him. And it's making him thankful. I was reading an article this week by a Christian counselor, and she wrote this. She said, our natural, our natural response to waiting is often anger or doubt. In other words, like naturally, what you and I are going to instinctively do, you might say, is when we get into a season of waiting, when there's confusion and there's frustration, our initial reaction is going to be to doubt or to get angry. And we'll either indirectly or directly aim that at God. And so the temptation for us is that we're going to believe that God doesn't care about us like we thought that he did. That he doesn't love us like we thought that he did. That he did. And that's just a lie. It's a lie that we all too quickly uh, and easily believe. Uh, it's a lie that is, is a very natural outworking of doubt and anger if that doubt or anger goes unchecked. And so here we see the psalmist checking what could have been a, a, an entrance into anger and doubt. Instead, he reminds himself of the gospel. He reminds himself of the truth that he is loved, that he's loved by God. And so in our waiting over the coming days, I want us to be men and women and children who commit to embracing that same kind of posture, a posture of thankfulness, a posture of reflection on, on the grace that God has shown to us. Because if we actually think about how gracious he is to us, how much he loves us, that will help us to be in the midst of a season of waiting and actually experience thankfulness in the midst of it. So we're going we're gonna to wait as men and women and children who are loved by God. And during this season of waiting, we're not going to let that, that false narrative uh, be told to us. We're not going to let the waiting tell us, hey, God isn't who he said he was, or God isn't uh, for you the way that you thought he was. God loves us. We need to remember that. In the midst of waiting, when we're tempted to forget it, when we're tempted to ignore it, we have to remember it and then just have that thankfulness wash over us. So we want to be men and women who, who wait thankfully. But then that second idea, we want, to be, uh, we want to be a people who wait hopefully. 
We want to be a people who are full of hope in the midst of our waiting. Verses 5 and 7 say this in Psalm 130. Verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. And then he goes on and he says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there's steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. So what we have here as we look at verses 5 and 7 is we have the psalmist reminding himself and calling himself into hope and then calling others into hope as well because he knows what we should know and that is that in the midst of our waiting we can have hope because God has not stopped working. God is still at work even in the midst of our waiting. And we also know that God's timing is perfect. We don't understand his timing. We don't understand why the waiting is the path that he chooses. We don't know why the the lack of clarity for us is the the track that he places us on, but it doesn't mean that his timing isn't perfect, and it doesn't mean that he's not at work. Uh, All of our waiting as his kids, what we see here in this text, we can know with confidence that even though we don't know exactly how God is going about it, necessarily, we do know that as our soul, souls are waiting on the Lord, our hope is that, that God is going to meet us with steadfast love and with plentiful redemption, like a reminder of the gospel, as we already talked about, but we're also going to deep, have a deepened experience of the love that he has for us. That means that, that our experience in waiting, we have this hope because through waiting, in the experience of waiting, we are guaranteed that we will have a deepened relationship with our God as we come to him thankful and as we lean into him and find our rest in him in the midst of that waiting. So there's a, there's a steadfast love that's promised to us at the other, on the other side of waiting. So we can hope for that. We can hope for the steadfast love that we'll know in a deeper way on the other side of a season of waiting. But I also like this idea uh, of, of God being at work that we see in our text We wait for the Lord, our soul waits for him, and in his word we hope, and Israel is called to hope in the Lord because with him right now there's steadfast love and plentiful redemption. And there's this idea that I want us to to sort of take hold of, and that's that God is not just at work during our waiting, but he's also at work in us through our waiting. Like God's doing something in me and in you in any season of waiting that he brings us through. We're, gonna, we're about to go through one corporately together over these next handful of weeks, but I know many of you have gone through personal seasons of waiting and longing and wondering and confusion. It doesn't matter the context of the waiting that God calls us into. He's at work in it, but he's also at work in us through it. And so if we think about how God is at work in us through our waiting, there's another um, sort of quote I want to share with you. This is from that same counselor. She says, something actually happens while nothing is happening. God uses waiting to change us. He said something actually happens while nothing is happening. And what is it that's happening? God is using that waiting to change us, which means that when we're hoping in the Lord and we're waiting on him, the Spirit's doing a work in us. And then that article goes on and says, relinquishing, when we relinquish control to God, that's the main route for us to experience his love and peace because it unites our hearts with his. Let me read that for you again. She says that when we relinquish control to God, that's the main route for us to experience his love and peace. It unites our hearts with his. So in the waiting, as we're trusting him, as we're hoping in him, something is actually happening behind the scenes and in us through the spirit. It's deepening our relationship with him. 
right here, right now. So we have the promise of a deepened relationship with him on the other side of waiting, but we also have the promise that he's at work in us so that as we lean into him in the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the waiting itself, there's something going on in us. And that's spiritual growth, a deepening of relationship with our God. So for you and for me, we're going to be experiencing the discomfort of waiting. And, you know, some of us, let's be honest, some of us probably are already experiencing the discomfort of waiting. I know for me, um, when, when I found out that the NCAA tournament had been canceled, uh, I realized that is not the biggest thing going on in the world right now, but that really brought it home for me. I was like, the, the, the coronavirus has really started to affect my life at that point. Like I knew that in a very specific way because you know, my, my household of boys, we fill out March Madness brackets. And we do a little competition, a little pool together, and Hillary gets in on it as well. And last year, Eli, who now is seven years old, but at the time was six, he won last year. He's the reigning champ. So he's not quite as concerned about the fact that March Madness is not going to be here because that means he gets to hold the crown of the Kaiser uh, March Madness pool for a whole nother year. But what I mean by that is like the inconvenience and, and the way that, that this season of waiting is already changing my life and your life in small ways, but also in big ways, like we're feeling that, we can feel it. Uh, and as I was thinking about that this week, you and I, as we experienced this kind of waiting, um, it reminded me of this time that I was driving, when I was in college, I had this 1989 Chevy Suburban, like just giant, like the old school body, giant Suburban. Um, and like this was before Uber or Lyft, I was, I was like the precursor to Uber or Lyft for all of my friends and because you could fit so many people in that giant bus. And so I was driving that uh, up at college. This is probably back in 2001 or 2002, uh, probably 2002. And as I was driving, uh, suddenly the transmission dropped out on it. So I was hitting the gas, but the transmission dropped out, which meant I stopped moving forward. Uh, I just heard the engine rev and it meant nothing for my forward progress at that point, ended up selling that vehicle uh, on eBay. A little side note there. Uh, but the reason I mentioned that, that idea of like this, it feels like right now, it kinda, for some of you, it might feel like the transmission just dropped out of your life. Like you had things you were doing, you had places you were going, you had things you were excited about. There were things on the books, there were people you were gonna visit, grandkids you were gonna go and see, uh, trips that you had planned or, or you know, accomplishments that you wanted to have. Uh, sort of under your belt by the end of the spring, like whatever the things may be, the transmission just dropped out. And so you're hitting the gas, but you're just sort of watching the world spin on, but, but you're starting to feel stuck. Or maybe for you, you're worried um, about life and it's not so much about these um, sort of life-altering inconveniences of COVID-19, but, but actually you're worried about the life-threatening implications of COVID-19 because of something that's going on for you medically or physically, uh, or maybe financially, uh, you're afraid of what the impact may be on you. And so me and my March Madness frustrations or somebody being upset because uh, they can't, you know, travel to Vegas, uh, you know, this spring, whatever it may be, like that, that doesn't really matter to you. What matters to you is your health or the financial stability for you and, and your family. And this waiting, it doesn't feel like you're on a, you, know, you don't feel like you're in a 1989, you know, Chevy Suburban, which is pretty much a couch on wheels. Like you feel like you're walking a tightrope over Niagara Falls and you're being told you're gonna have to walk it for weeks, maybe even months. And that's got you worried. 
And I get that. But each one of us is called to the same posture in our waiting, a posture of hope. Because God is at work in our world, and God's at work in you and in me, specifically in this very season of waiting. In the midst of this waiting, he's calling us deeper into relationship with him as we trust him and as we hope in him. So we want to be those who wait thankfully because he's loved us. We want to be those who wait hopefully because he's at work in us, in the midst of our waiting. And then lastly, we want to be those who wait actively. The psalmist highlights two things specifically that he does in his season of waiting that he shows us in Psalm 130. And the first thing he shows us is while he's waiting, he gets into God's word. It says in verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. So we have the psalmist here spending time in the midst of his waiting, meeting with God, and learning from God in his word. He's spending time intentionally meeting with God in his word in a season of waiting. So for you and for me, that's a great call for us too. Because we go into this season of waiting, how can we do likewise? How can we be like the psalmist? How can we spend this season, however long it may be, as a season when we, instead of distancing ourselves or estranging ourselves from God with doubt and anger, we actually dive into our relationship with him. We go to his word. Just some practical things to share with you, ways you can go about this. We've got the FPO Bible reading plan. Uh, It's mapped out for the whole year. It also has memory verses that are attached to each of the individual months. Uh, I'd encourage you, if you haven't already joined us with the Bible reading plan, this is a great time to get started. Jump in on it. We've got it posted for you online. You can get it on the website or uh, off of Realm. We have the whole year as a PDF that you can download and you can begin reading. I'd encourage you, let's, let's get into God's Word. It's great. We need to be in God's Word whether we're in a season of waiting or not. But right now, as we enter a season of waiting, let's just use that as the jumping off point to get in His Word. Uh, you might want to do something else, maybe to, to supplement that. You're, let's say you're already doing the Bible reading plan. You want to sort of deepen that time in God's Word. You might just find another book to read devotionally that sort of helps you digest God's Word. I've decided starting tomorrow... I'm going to begin reading through a Tim Keller book, this Tim Keller book that I've been wanting to read for a while. I just feel like this might be the season for it. The book is called Jesus the King, and it's a series of chapters as, as Keller looks at Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. And since we're studying Mark together over the next quite a while, uh, I just thought it might be really good for me to spend time studying devotionally, uh, even moving at a faster pace, about 18 chapters to go through the whole, uh, the whole book of Mark. And so I'm going to start that tomorrow. You could join me in reading Jesus the King, or you could choose something else to help you dive deeper into God's Word. And then you could also use this as a, as a time to jump into some family Bible reading, uh, reading the Bible together or spending some time, really kid-focused time. Uh, the Bible Project has great videos that you could use. There's also a um, a group called the Gospel Project. They have some great videos that could help engage your kids as you guys want to talk and deepen your understanding of God through His Word. Um, Maybe you've got that rhythm already. You can just double down on it, or maybe this is a great opportunity for you to jump into that rhythm. Um, But that's that's one of the things we see the psalmist do here. He gets into God's Word. The other thing we see him do specifically is he encourages other people. He gets into God's Word and he starts speaking encouragement. In verse 7, he says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption. Here we have the psalmist in the midst of his waiting. He makes a point to encourage other people. 
So we have him thinking about others and speaking words of encouragement to them. And and it's really easy for us to get super self-focused in the midst of our waiting, just thinking about ourselves. Let's follow the psalmist lead here instead. Let's see this season, and really any season of waiting, as an opportunity to look around and take some time, some dedicated time, to encourage other people. We can wait actively as we meet with God in His Word and as we use our time to meet with Him and to encourage other people. A couple of things, like, I would just ask you, who's God laying on your heart? This week, I don't know how many weeks are going to be like this week, but for this week, what's, who's God laying on your heart? Who should you reach out to and encourage? I mean, maybe it's one of your family members who's, who lives close by or, or quite possibly who lives a long way away. Make a phone call. Pick up the phone. Maybe initiate a FaceTime so grandkids can, can see grandparents, the, the call you've been meaning to make for a while. Make that call this week. Or maybe it's someone in your church family. Maybe you can make a quick phone call to someone in the church family or send a text or an email. Uh, Even if, maybe you just want to get a group text started. And that group text is entirely about getting seven or eight guys together and all you're going to do is share GIFs the whole week. Hey, that's fine. Whatever it is, a sense and a purpose of encouragement uh, to love other people. Maybe it's your neighbors. You can check in on your neighbors. It's a great opportunity to love them well. Obviously, you, you want to use an appropriate amount of social distance but there are ways that you can reach out and encourage and love your neighbors. I just want to leave you with this idea. The waiting may be the hardest part, as Tom Petty told us, but it's not lost time. Like this week, let's jump into into, waiting the way that the psalmist shows us that God calls us to wait. Let's wait thankful for what Jesus has done for us. Let's wait as those who are hopeful for what God is doing in us. And let's wait as those who are actively meeting with God and deepening our relationship with Him and reaching out and loving other people and encouraging them. That's what God has for us this week. Let's be excited about it. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks so much for some time to spend looking at this together this morning. We thank you so much for Psalm 130. Thank you for the clarity of the psalmist as he's in the midst of his season of waiting. We pray that you will motivate us uh, to be a thankful people, to be a hopeful people, to be an active people as we wait. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for pursuing us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.